Hi everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Copcast podcast brought to you by World Football Index. We're joined by a guest this evening, but uh, also along with pod regulars. First of the season for Omar and Az in London. Ums, been a while. How are you? It has. It's been... I was I was calculating in my head about five months since I was last on a pod and I was pretty nervous actually. A bit funny. Bit of, bit of ring rust to get, get worn off here, the old, old pod rust to so get worn Forgive off. me if I fumble my way through the pod. Yeah, I will, but we'll forgive you, definitely. Good to have you back anyway. And in Berlin, we have uh, we have Neil Patterson. Neil, you were on the last one. How are you? I don't have need to call you Chief this week as well. How, how's things? It's nice, only one Neil this time, so it's it's nice and easy. <laughs> I dead on, dead on as well as you can be, really. Uh, a bit, yeah, but uh, after the weekend, but, you know, it's early days and whatnot, so looking forward to getting into this. Well, at least we didn't lose. I suppose one one. It just felt like it, unfortunately. But yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Yeah, well, for, right. first game of the season, we might we might be glad of that point. Come 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 May, one would hope. But joining us as our first guest of the season, uh, delighted to say we have a world famous author because World Football Index has made him famous <laughs> in the form of uh, Dan Filzen. Uh, Dan, a second scouser to appear on Copcast has been a while. Lovely to have you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, hope to do this more regularly. Oh, we'd love to. We'd love to have you. Love to have you. Well, listen, I'll stick with you. Um, and the well, well, no better place to start than than what happened at the weekend. Um, as I say, you know, it wasn't a complete disaster, but it certainly wasn't what we wanted uh, as a season opener. And it looks so good for a stage, but just sort of failure to. Uh, Failure to really close that game out and be able to close it out, and one may even beg the question: you know, for for Hoffenheim tomorrow would be better with Simon Mingle or a traffic cone. Your thoughts? Uh, definitely Simon Mingle. I've seen some fantastic traffic cones, but he'll do a better job than most. You're right, Dave. It was disappointing in the sense that we should have seen that out, and it's just so familiar for us now, isn't it? You know that we. We look to be in control. We look to add more chances. We could have made it five-two, and then we go and concede so late on in the game. Um, so there's nothing new to be said there. But I will say that Watford team will take points off our rivals throughout the season. Not a bad outfit, and teams will go there and they'll drop points as well. So at least we're doing better than Chelsea. Well, there is that. Although we we started the season the same way against them last season, and I don't know how that ended up. Neil, yourself, um, you know, we, we were pretty desperate first half. I think that that's the that's the place to start, really, isn't it? You know, the game seemed to pass us by. You know, we got ourselves back into it and instantly fell behind again. And, and it was you were just like, oh, it's bloody Groundhog Day. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... <laughs> there were, I was going to say the most disappointing thing, but I think there were a lot of disappointing things about the first half. I think. Probably initially just the fact that you you know you go behind from a corner uh, from the first corner I think that you can see um, and it's like you say it's Groundhog Groundhog Day then you you, you know you sort of work your way back into it um, not not by playing very well but suddenly Mane takes it upon himself to create something um, with a little help from from Moreno and, and Emery Cham but. It's just it's just an example of where a player just decides, right, fuck this, I'm gonna make something happen here. And it's it's an unbelievable goal. So you're you're back into it through pure genius at at a level anyway. And and then like a minute and a half later you can see another kind of kind of calamitous goal. Um you know, there's a few mistakes there and 
Hendo doesn't cover himself in glory and Moreno gets dragged to the ground, although what can you say? I mean, uh, you, can, you can point fingers left, right and centre. There's a question in the marks about offside. Is he going for the ball? Is he not going for the ball? Are they playing for the offside? doesn't happen, blah, blah, blah. But you get, you know, it, it's disappointing to concede so quickly. Like, second, and, and then you kind of go to pieces. You, you don't really look like getting back into it until Salah kind of next to the ball, and what is it, 44th minute or something like, and then blazes, just blazes over, unfortunately. Uh, second half is, is, is a different kettle of fish, and, you know, we see some of some of the real quality in the side. It's just disappointing to, to kind of concede right at the end. And, you know, I, I think uh, Dan was absolutely right. Like, um, we should have been 4 or 5-2. And if we had if we had a sort of taken advantage then, they only looked like one winner. And one more would have done it. Um, <clears throat> so, loads of positives, I suppose, to take out of it. You know, not least Salah and... Um, you know, and and the attack and play in general, man, they look like the injury wasn't really phasing him or hasn't really, you know, done any any permanent damage at all. Uh, Firmino got a goal and assist. Salah looks electric, and and one real good thing about him, it looks like he's always going to be there at the back post or following in for everything. Um, that was a real feature. Um, so that was that was all good. Just disappointing in the end to, to go three three and familiar familiar problems, familiar culprits. You know, familiar uh, Achilles heel, unfortunately. And Ohms, you, you did the match, uh, the, the post match uh, written report for, for Cop Left, and like you were spot on in your assessment of it, you know what I mean? And it just felt like so little had changed from last season. But I think the question I would have for you is, you know, I think the guys both mentioned him there as Mo Salah, and you know, it was quite wasteful. He missed a few chances, but overall, I thought as a debut, he, he could be an important one for us this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, some people were sort of lambasting him during the game. Oh, why was he missing the chances? But he was creating them. He was getting in the right positions and definitely man of the match with an assist and a goal. So, uh, yeah, just it's really exciting to have him in the team. And I can't wait to see, you know, see him tear up defences in the Premier League because that's what we're hoping he's going to do. But yeah, you're right. It was just deja vu, wasn't it? Same same team from last year. We were hoping there were going to be changes in the summer. And there was one or two, nothing amazing. So, you know, if this is, if you have the same team, you kind of expect the same results. But I think with when you start a new season, you have hope, don't you? You just think, okay, fresh start. Um, and you expect something different to happen. Maybe, you know, maybe a bit naive in thinking that, but you do kind of, you, you do kind of look at it with that point of view. But, you know, we've got to address the elephant in the room here. Coutinho, not, what happened the day before the season? I think that's what dampened the mood, and and we needed to win just to lift it, lift the spirits, and that had, and I, and I think that's why it feels so bad. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, three three, although you know obviously conceding those horrible goals is is bad, but a point there isn't a bad result, and like you said, we might look back in down the road and think it's okay, but at the moment it feels really. It's it's tough to take because of the situation with him and how everyone was so negative the day before and everyone was really down. I mean, I was one of those. Maybe you can call me naive. One of those people who thought he'd never, you know, push for a transfer like he did and and create the atmosphere that he did. You know, I've learnt my lesson now. Never trust any players again. They're all in it for for themselves. And and you know, we can't all think um, players are all like Steven Gerrard who are going to hang around forever and ever. But 
yeah, I just we just needed we just needed something, and then it, to top it all off, it was the same things, the defensive issues that haven't been addressed. I mean, you say we've got a couple of weeks of the window left, but I don't want to be too negative. But normally we get our business done quite early. We're not really the kind of club that do our business on the last few weeks. But you know, I'm willing to be proved wrong there as well. Um, the attack was brilliant, but you know, we've we've had that for a while you know we've been that's been our our style of play for the last few years so obviously adding Salah in has improved that um yeah and I just think overall we were a bit unlucky you know we could like the guys said mentioned we could have won it Lolo Renamatic with their headers that was saved and the one that hit the crossbar and then the offside goal at the end so it was it's really fine margins and we could have been easily celebrating a win and and feeling a whole lot better about everything but you know, it's the same old questions and it's the same old rubbish feeling. And <laughs> that's that's what's, you know, what's difficult to take right now. No, indeed. And, and you know, Dan, yourself, you know, the, the sort of deja vu moment, you know, obviously, as um said there, you know, the elephant in the room is Phil Coutinho. And, you know, some sort of, I suppose we need to get into it, really. Some very uncharacteristic behaviour from, from Phil uh, in the week past there. And certainly I didn't think he was sort of capable of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, it may be his agent is work, but at the end of the day, his agent is his employee. And I'm sort of just sort of kind of disappointed by Phil. I'm not disappointed. I'm not surprised. You know, this is just a, another characteristic of the modern footballer. We spoke about this, Dave, didn't we, when we did the European Game podcast about the book, that this is just the way that the game is. And I am shocked that so many people are still so invested and attached to these modern players because this is going to happen time and again. Torres showed us that. Suarez showed us. Mascherano. You know, the trick is don't get attached. It's only at the end of the day a, a squad roster. It's a flexible thing. Players are going to come and players are going to go. If Coutinho stays, that is brilliant because I think Klopp can't play him. I think they'll make amends and he's a world-class player. That's good for the club I love. If he goes, we'll still be there. The sun will still shine in a few days' time. You know, maybe not in Liverpool as much as elsewhere, but life will go on and we'll get other players. And yes, he was he's a brilliant player now, but when we signed him, he wasn't at that level. We'll get there again because, you know, we're Liverpool Football Club and we're used to that now. Sadly... And people are saying, oh, it's that selling club thing. Liverpool have become a selling club. No, all football clubs are in the same position. You know, there's all many, there's so many different factors at play. You know, who'd have thought that Matic would have went to Man United? Who'd have thought that Neymar would want to leave Barcelona? So that's just the way it is now. It's a merry-go-round. The players coming and going. And fans, listen, they need to stop getting so attached because this is going to keep happening and people keep getting disappointed. No, I, I hear you on that one, and you know you're, you're correct. But I think I think maybe from, from our point of view, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of cross maybe ums on this one. I don't think we believed that maybe Coutinho was consistent, world class enough to to be considered for Barcelona. I think it's caught us by surprise, and certainly on this pod, you know, we, we've said about him, he's an exceptional player. But I, I feel that he he has world class moments as opposed to being a world class player. And you sort of associate when Barca come for you, like when Suarez. Suarez was exceptional when he went to Barcelona, and, and actually ended up getting better. But you know, I think maybe half our beef with all of this is that you know he he doesn't he's not at that level that Suarez was when when, when he came calling. Do you think that, that's a factor in here? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised as well. I thought another season. I thought he's obviously he's he's shown that he can have world class moments, but the consistency has been an issue. Um, and last season he had a few months of brilliance, and then you know it, then he does kind of tend to go away for a little bit. But 
I, I was surprised a little bit and um, I understand what Dan's saying about not getting attached to, to players and things like that. I just, because oh we don't know the guys obviously personally, but just by from his personality wise, you didn't kind of think he was the kind of guy to 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 force it like he did. I thought, okay, he want to go. Of course, he wants to go. Who doesn't want to go to Barcelona when they come calling? But the the, the few little things that happened afterwards, um, I remember speaking to you about it, of of the family coming out and saying that Klopp's treated him badly and he's not played him in the. This is this. That's the kind of thing that kind of really gets to you. Okay, if you want to go, you go, and if you want to force it, force it. But then these kinds of things, you know, little accusations flying about. I think they will really leave a bad taste in the mouth. And if he does stay, I just wonder <clears throat> how the relationship with Klopp is going to be after that. I mean, I don't know if someone, if it was in the pre-pod, someone mentioned that you know he's he's quite a professional kind of guy, and you know if he does stay, he'll kind of get his head down, and maybe it can be repaired. Whereas you know if we compare it to the Sacco incident, that was completely different. But I just don't know how it you know how it's going to go on from here. It's we've there's rumours of FSG are wanting to sell and now Klopp doesn't want any of that. Sorry, not wanting to keep him, but Klopp doesn't want any of any of, any of of it now, so he wants to get rid. So there's that kind of rift going on behind the scenes as well. So it's, whatever it is, it's not good for the club. It's not good for the players. You know, all the, it, everything's going to get played down in the press conference today. Jordan Henderson kind of said, no, it's fine. We're all focused on... No, it is going to affect the team. He's our best player. We want him there. It is going to affect the team. And as you guys mentioned um, with the Watford game, our midfield was completely non-existent and we need players like him. He's out, he's the kind of kind of guy who will make things happen, um, you know, make something out of nothing, a little bit like Suarez um, in that 13-14 season. So to say it doesn't kind of affect that, the whole atmosphere in the team, I think that's just people just saying what, you, you know, what the public want to hear, really. But it's... It's just not a very nice time at the moment for the club and, the, and you know, for the fans and everything. Neil, yourself, where, where do you stand on the Coutinho thing? You know, like I've seen it the, the, sort of the past week, all the all the reports from Brazil and everything, and it's, you know, it led me to the conclusion that that he, that he was out of there. Um, you know, it still may happen, but I, I'm more sort of curious as to, you know, if he doesn't, it, 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 you know, where where does this leave Phil at the club? Is, is this a relationship you can see? possibly being repaired is, is is there potential for that well yeah i think at the end of the day they're both the club and and phil are, are professionals and elite professionals at that and if he's still at the club on september the 1st i've no doubt that you know it might take a, a a cooling off period of a week or whatever but he'd be back into the fold and i've no doubt that he'd perform and you know you know there there's parallels obviously drawn with the Suarez situation and you know you might find it ends up a little bit like that that he goes next year or whatever if we manage to keep him uh, I don't really see to answer your question you know pretty pretty straightforwardly I don't see any problem with the relationship rumours are always going to be there especially while the transfer window is, is going on and while the situation is going on and people have got websites to get clicks on and links to get clicks on and you know newspapers to sell and whatever and even if they're even if Bob is thoroughly you know hacked off with him at the end of the day he knows fine rightly that Liverpool are a better side a better first 11 with, with Phil in it than when he's on the bench and if he has him at his disposal he's not going to waste him as far as keeping him is concerned it, it, it's the length of time that worries me um, you know there's what 17 days of the transfer window to go 
So, you know, there's a there's a big deal going on with Dembele as well from Dortmund because of Barcelona. He hasn't he hasn't basically hasn't made contact or uh, hadn't made contact in a long time since uh, Barcelona had an offer rejected. Phil's sort of done the same by putting this transfer request in and, you know, this this back injury and inverted commas and, and whatever. So we'll see how it all plays out. As far as I'm concerned, I think we there's no real there's no real out for, for FSG having made the statement and um being in a situation where they haven't managed to secure transfer targets as of yet. That may change should we um advance and, and make, make sure that we get into the group stages of the Champions League. It may not, who knows? Um but to let Coutinho go with, with two weeks of the window left or less than two weeks of the window left once it gets to the point where he would actually go with no 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 real backup, no real contingency, because everything's been pushed forward. We're you're talking about it maybe being next year that Barcelona would come for him. Probably would have been. But the Neymar thing sort of took them by surprise. They weren't expecting that. And now they've you know, they they need to appease their fans as well. So he's been on their shopping list for a while, but he's suddenly bumped up, been bumped up the pecking order, and the urgency's been ramped up a lot by this uh, Neymar to PSG thing, which is is really what's fueling the desperation, shall we say, and the tactics that are that are being employed. Because obviously Barcelona put the pressure on these players to force the move because they're not actually offering the big bucks, are they? The, you know, you haven't heard of an offer of 120 million, 130 million for either player. Both sub sub 80 million offers, as far as I'm. I know, certainly in in terms of down payment. So, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, but as far as a relationship rebuilding, I don't think it's going to take that much given given the stakes we're talking about. Dan, you know, around the city at the minute, you know, if you if you use social media as a, as a sort of a measuring tool, um, you know, FSG are getting some pelters at the minute, and and I think it's a bit too early for that in in many respects. You know, they'd still have the seventeen days, albeit the track record isn't there to back up those seventeen days. But is, is there a sense of 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 panic yet in the city that that you know things are just really that bad? It's I think it's quite symptomatic of of. All modern football fans, there's no shades of grey now. Either the world's going to end now for Liverpool Football Club or it's going to be great. You know, like Neil said, the 17 days left of this window and there's a lot of FSG bashing going on. And that's been going on for a while. But fans do have a short memory. Listen, I remember back in the Hicks and Gillette days where we thought the club was going to go into liquidation. We thought we were we'd days lose Liverpool away. Football. Days away. Exactly. We got, Martin Broughton came in and saved this club. You know, and then the new Americans came in, FSG. They bought the club saddled with debt. And you look at the situation now five years on in that we've got one of the top five managers in the world. We've got the new stand. There's money there to spend. They're just being a bit coy with it at the moment is, is the way. Not coy so much, but it's not like we haven't got money. It's not like, you know, we, we did a Rangers football club and we've had to start again. Things could be a lot worse. So I think that a lot of the bashing that FSG are getting at the minute you just need to be a little bit calm about this. Now, I, I don't know, and none of us know what's going on here with with the transfers. You know, does Klopp want Coutinho gone? Does does he want to spend this money on these two players only? Or is it going to get to the point now in maybe a week whereby it changes completely that, okay, so we, we'll stop looking at Van Dijk. It's not going to happen. We'll stop looking at Cater. It's not going to happen. And then we might go and get a couple of £35 million players there. You know, because... It's the same for all clubs. There's there's talks going on in the back the back rooms now 
that we're just not getting getting any face of. And all I'm saying is be patient in ways, and a lot of fans are the same. We just need to be calm, and see what happens here. Dan, you know, I know you know you're, you've close enough links to the club, and and certainly with you, the work and the, the the research you did in your book, you you have quite an insight into into how clubs operate. And there's a train of thought out there, and I would just like your your opinion on it. Is you know that that there's a possibility that the Van Dyke deal and even the Navigator deal are are being put on ice until such times as we secure qualification for the Champions League. I don't find that unreasonable to think about, but a lot of people on social media seem to. And I don't think that's unreasonable at all. These are clubs who got offers to go elsewhere, you know. So we're linked with Van Dijk's getting spoken about going to Chelsea, who the the league champions. So why wouldn't he wait? There's a lot of politics that goes on, and players are thinking that their next move will come to define the rest of their careers. So it's not too much to ask that we just wait a few days and see. You know, it, this isn't the apocalypse. You know, there's a chance that Coutinho stays and we get all the targets we want. And then what? You know, and then fans will be happy again then. Uh, but like I said earlier, there is no fade grey either. The world's ending or, or it's going to be perfect. So just be calm. And you're the same as me, Dave, in that sense. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can see the And I can almost quantify the anger. Almost. If it was September the 1st. But it's not. And, you know, I, I appreciate that, that our track record in doing these deals and whatnot is, is somewhat, you know, murky. Uh, we, we, you know, we struggle. We seem to struggle with our main targets and so on. But the fact that both these guys have said that, you know, their preference is to come to us. And can you blame these guys? They want to come to a Champions League club. And, you know, th- 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 let's look at it. There could be a doomsday scenario here, Omara, where, you know, we, we could go out tomorrow night and get duffed 3-0. And all of a sudden, we're we're looking at Europa League as opposed to Champions League. I'm I'm hoping very much that's not the case. But you know, it's football; anything can happen. Do you think that these players may be hedging their bets? Possibly, and as you guys say, it's it's okay. You know, that's that's what players want to do now. Whether we, like you said, some of the old-fashioned ones of us, you know, we think about loyalty and all these kinds of things. But it's not like that anymore. They want to play for Champions League, and they're not shy in saying that. Um, but yeah, these two games coming up. Uh, these two, these Champions League qualifiers have just—I think they're just going to define, maybe even the next, not just next season, might even define the next few years. So they're really, really important. And um, oh god, we're hoping that we're going to pull it, pull it off. Um, I'm hoping that um, Neil's going to tell me that Hoffenheim are doing so great at the moment because I don't really watch a lot of Bundesliga, so I, I'm not sure. But they were one of the better teams, I think, that we could have drawn in the in the other teams that were there. So, yeah, hopefully. And then they've got the uh, brilliant record at set pieces as well <laughs> to top it all off, which doesn't fill me with hope. But, you know, we we are, the thing with us is we can be unpredictable at times. Last season, we were brilliant at times. And then against some of the other teams, we weren't great. So <laughs> you've got, kind of got a hope that we're going to pull it off tomorrow. I have heard that Hoffenheim like to play football, which should suit us, hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully we can... Um, just take the the disappointment of the weekend and turn it around now because this is this is huge. I don't I know if I'm kind of like going a bit over the top by saying this, but I really think it's going to define uh, even maybe clock legacy here. It's just um, we need to we need to get into the Champions League so so desperately now. Neil, yourself on, on the FSG side of things, you know, uh, you, you know, as I say, I can I can almost you know I can I can. I can empathise with with the frustration that they feel, but 
you, you know, th- there has to be a moment of realization, and and that game at the weekend, if it wasn't a moment of realization for FSG, that you know nothing has changed, and you know we we talk about that midfield and and how inept basically it was to, throughout that game. It's crying out for a protector. You know, I know we've been linked to, to the likes of Kato. I know we've been linked to the likes of Vidal. That's the type of player to, to put in front of that that defence to try and shore it up a wee bit. It didn't have that at the weekend. It must be a screaming, screaming message to FSG that, that something needs done. And that's why I won't lose hope at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's sort of a lot to come back on there. I mean, I, I definitely think that we, we will do business. I mean, I don't think there's... there's there's really any doubt about that. Obviously, clubs said that there will be no secondary targets and so on and so forth. But you know, it, it's all a game, isn't it? It's all a dance. And if if we can't get Van Dyke, we can't get Kaida, there will be alternatives because we'll not, uh, you know, we'll not go into the season as highlighted by by the Watford game with such gaping holes. On FSC or on players um, hedging their bets at the minute, the likes of Kaidan Van Dijk. Well, I think they definitely are. Um, I think we've seen it with Arsenal over the years. Um, they never really tend to get their big signing in until the qualification is secured. Um, if you look back over the last few years, certainly. And also, there's always been talk that Van Dijk. You know, if if a top four club or Champions League club came in for Van Dijk, then he'd be allowed to go. You know that was the sort of verbal agreement. That's what you always heard back. You know, b- before any of this went went so far, and we got accused of tapping up and all the rest of it. Um, we aren't technically a Champions League club yet. Nabi Kaida as well. You know, he's only got to push a transfer so far when he's at a Champions League club already, and we're not in the Champions League yet. So I think quite a lot, certainly in terms of those two, depends on us qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah, the penny, I'm sure has to drop for FSG and has dropped for them. I can see the concerns of, of, of people who are who are um, anti-FSG um, up to a point. I can also absolutely agree with, with a lot of what um, Dan said about, um, you know, coming in and, and us being in a much, much, much better position than we were when they, when they took over. So I don't think they've got anything to gain, but I don't think they're asset stripping like some people do or anything like that. Um, and I don't think they're shy of spending the money. We just we, we just haven't really either gone about it the right way or, or managed, or, or else we've come up against extremely stubborn clubs for whatever reason. But I think we will strengthen. I think we have to strengthen. And I think that's that's quite clear. I think clubs made comments as well uh, in the wake of, of Watford. And, you know, I think it would be negligent on, on all sides if we were to be September the 1st without adding uh, a, a, a starting centre-back and um, a starting midfielder, centre-midfield option. Dan, yourself again, you, you know, there's, there, was a, there was a rant went out on Twitter last night, and I know a lot of people have listened to this have probably read it, and while, while I find it mostly libelous, there was one part in it that, that sort of, you know, it, it rung a bell with me, is that there's almost a disconnect uh, in negotiation skills between John W. Henry and and when you reach Klopp's level, and that maybe you know the relationships that we fail to be building. You know, we we have fueled um, Southampton with cash for three seasons, but yet we still have an awful relationship with them. You know, when you imagine that after after this amount of time, we we would have a very good working relationship with them, and I'm just wondering if maybe that's where some of the, some of the the problems that we see at the moment 
are, are coming from maybe the, the lack of a of a real canny negotiator you know what Dave I was thinking of as well and I said it on another show I was on that when Klopp was at his most successful at Dortmund he was working with Michael Zorc as a director of football which is obviously what Neil will know as well being over in Germany Michael Edwards' name gets mentioned a lot, but who is accountable in these situations? So if it is the doomsday situation, we don't get any targets, we lose Coutinho, who do we blame for that? And I most certainly don't want it to fall on Klopp's head. Um, and also, another part of me is thinking, uh, I don't want this, another another turmoil again that we... Change ownership's not the answer either. You know, that, that brings its own turmoil, that brings its own, own upheaval, and it brings its own dangers, Dan. Yeah, exactly. You know, it could go either way. It's gamble when you get new ownership coming in. It's not always going to be just sunshine and, and rainbows. So who is accountable? And I think that's what you're touching upon there, that basically, yeah, is should we have a director of football at Liverpool Football Club? Because not many other clubs in England do have them. And I know it's something Klopp said that, you know, he's not particularly keen to work. Is he just saying something that FSG want him to echo? Or would that be a good solution for us at the minute? Yeah, and, and Neil, I'll, I'll let you come back on this one. You know, obviously Dan cites Zork there at Dortmund, uh, who, you know, between the ter- pair of them, they, they did an excellent job. Uh, albeit, as you rightly said, I think pre-pod, you know, Klopp's used to having players sold from underneath him. But I don't think Jurgen Klopp came to Liverpool with, with that notion in his head that his best players are going to be sold year on year. No, uh, absolutely not. I think he, he, he had hoped that um, that sort of aspect would have been behind him. I don't know. I've heard I heard the comments about Klopp, or read the comments from from Klopp, uh, attributing uh, basically him saying that he wouldn't be too keen to to do to go down that route with a director of football. But it seems odd to me because it worked very well for them at Dortmund. I don't know. It, it's it's something that we've talked about for how long? Um, wasn't that FSG's original structure before Rodgers apparently talked them out of it and, and whatever? But it's never quite happened. And, and this guy, Michael Edwards, well, he was sort of named, wasn't he? From, from nowhere, we had this transfer committee. And then all of a sudden, um, we we had this announcement that this guy from winning the club would become the the, the de jure, the actual... There's kind of a change uh, of philosophy away from the money ball aspect there as well, to be, to be fair, to, to mm-hmm. include that in there, Neil. Yeah, uh, and that's fair enough. And, you know, we made some good signings last summer. I mean, I don't know how long he's actually been in the job. He was announced not that long ago, but presumably coming from within the club, he'd, he'd had a hand in, in what went on sort of last summer. It's just, it, just, it just hasn't really worked so far this this year. I mean, there may be, there are probably extensively gone after, namely the Champions League. You know, we, we do need somebody to be accountable if we feel, but uh, ideally we need not to feel. Um, whatever happens, we need to, 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 you know, fill the gaps because you, you can see already that a, a couple of good signings in the right places can make a, a big difference. You know, I, I don't like the pre United or talk them up and, I, you know, I don't want to read too much into uh, performance against a very, very, very limp West Ham side like, but, you know, it seems like Maric and Lukaku, you know, has has done wonders for them. And, and that's the kind of thing we need, although n- not in a striker's role, but we need a, a Van Dijk and a Kaida or a Van Dijk and a, you know, Vidal's not going to happen. I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't think we're going to sign somebody that old and so on and so forth. 
But but it wouldn't be a bad idea. It's what we're screaming out for. He has bite. He's a winner, and he has experience. And we don't. Since we lost Gerard, we don't have that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But experience doesn't. He doesn't have to have that much experience. It's just like a twenty-five-year-old that's played. But an old head that's been there. He's won the Cup of America two years in a row. You know, it, it, to me, it's priceless what he would bring. It's priceless the leadership he would bring. I wouldn't necessarily say no, but I I don't see a Vidal coming in. But somebody who can, I mean, what was absolutely apparent, and I, you know, Dave, I cringe when people talk about leadership and whatever. But see, um, see on sat on on um, it was was Saturday. See on Saturday. That's fair. John Jordan Henderson had had no grip of that game at all as the captain. He had no grip whatsoever of the players. There was no there was no sense of right, let, you know, let's get it together. Sit by me. We're getting overrun. You know, let's let's dig in. There was no no leadership at all on the pitch in that first half at all. And that's something you've said to me for a long time and I've sort of, you know, not not necessarily agreed all the time, but it was very evident there at the weekend and you do need something like that and somebody like that, but just 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 to to stamp their authority on the game there and, and just pull people together. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Sorry, I just wanted to add something. You mentioned United and Mourinho. And we, like you said, we don't like to say these things about him, but he did it at Chelsea as well. And he added Costa, Fabregas and Costa. Yeah. And it's just those two positions. And that is all the difference that it makes. And that's exactly what we need to do. And I think we're like a couple of players away from being a brilliant, brilliant team. It's just that that's all it needs. Just those two players and just... I really, really hope we could get them in. That's that's the the issue right now. Absolutely, it's two players in the spine. You know, two yeah. players you can instantly transplant into the spine that makes your entire team just twenty percent, twenty five percent better. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the just um, referring back to the Cara and the Red Nap argument. Cara's got a point. Obviously, one player isn't going to change everything. But even if he brings it up, even if we concede five to ten less goals in the season, that's huge for us. So, you know, that, that is really important that they bring somebody in. Hopefully it will be Virgil van Dijk. If not, then, I mean, I don't know if, if, if we've got any other interests in any anyone else. But, yeah, someone who can just sort of, um, just just block out some more goals. That's all we need. Just just uh, someone who can make a little bit of difference. And I think that will make quite, that will help the team so much. It's the, it's the organization and uh, and the confidence that somebody like that brings as well. You know, the, the you know the, the the calm head, the the ability to organize the defense, the the confidence you suddenly have when you've got somebody like that whose defensive stats were unreal. You know, not not just in a Premier League sense, but on a European basis, and has been the last couple of seasons. It just it just changes the whole dynamic back there. The nerves go. And if we had a, a the goalkeeping issue at the minute isn't ideal either. Obviously, you want a goalkeeper who commands his box. Some of those goals on on the Saturday could have been avoided if if Mignolet had just done been a bit braver. But um, and then you've got Carry. I'd love to see Carry having the run, but you know, still a bit of an unknown quantity as well. So we're not in the great situation there either. So a, a good goalkeeper just could, calms the defence around him anyway. So it's just those couple of positions, but I doubt that we're going to see any goalkeepers coming in. But definitely a, a centre-back and, a, and a, seat, a central midfielder, definitely, yeah. This is one of the things, I, I don't understand why we're so fixated upon just these two players. Cater, I understand, because we need a number six and we need somebody who's going to protect that defence. But why are we so fixated on, on a centre-back in Van Dijk, who, yes, he was the best centre-back in the league last year, 
But there are other fantastic options out there. And there's two lads on this who sound like they're both from Northern Ireland. Uh, and why why is no one ever going in for Johnny Evans, who's a leader, who's in peak form, who I think he's he'd be an upgrade on some of the defenders that we've got already at the Pool Football Love Club. Him for a and start. he's going <laughs> to... Well, I'm sure there's, there are lots and lots of options. It's just that none that have been linked with us, to put it that way. I mean, there's plenty of options out there. I'm sure there are. But that, exactly, and that's what's baffling, isn't it? Is why is it that it's this constant tug of war between us and the clubs of just two players? You know, so when does it get to that point where, okay, we'll, we'll ch- turn our attention from being focused on just one £70 million player and go and get a couple of £35 million players there? Because people say that's not a lot in today's market, but the best defender in the world cost Milan £35 million, Benucci. Salah was £35 million. That if you, if you do things right, there's some great players that can be had out there. So I oh, think, yeah. I don't know, after maybe is it a week from now, where we turn our attention away from the players and we go for other targets. Well, I hope they have got a backup plan. That's what's worrying me. I'm thinking if we don't get Virgil van Dijk, because Southampton might just dig their heels in now. They're so we pissed them off so much over the years. That what are we going to do after that? So well, you know, like you said, lots, lots of stuff. Can we possibly have piss Southampton? Given the fact that we're giving them so much business. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's down you know, to not making their best players. We, exactly. You know what, Dave? You'll know That's better than me, issue, Dave, yeah. is years ago, throughout that Paisley era, Peter Robinson gave us a good name in everything that we did and the clubs we spoke to. <laughs> Who is it? And that's what I'm saying earlier about accountability. So obviously we have annoyed Southampton. We issued an apology to them publicly. Whose fault's that? Yeah. And, and the other thing about it, are we not whining and dining them enough? We're not taking them to five-star resorts to get these things. You know how you know how big business works. We all know how it works. And you would think... No, it's like Klopp's... Taking them to the in Blackpool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> talking about alternatives. Like today, I found out Yari Mina of Palmeiras, who is a beast of a player. I mean, a beast, a ball playing uh, centre back who chips in with a, a lot of goals, is available for eight point five million in a buyout clause from Palmeiras. Now he may not be LFC fit immediately, but in six months' time. My God, you know, we, I'm talking about a beast of a boy, a big six-footer, well-built, can play out, out of the back perfectly. And, you know, at $8.5 million in today's market, it doesn't constitute the slightest bit of risk. And why are we not looking at that? Why are we so constrained by, oh, he was good in the Premier League, so we're going to have to bundle $70 million on him? There are bargains throughout the world. And, and you know, when, and especially when we can't get these deals over the line, why are we still persisting with it? Do you know we've got a bargain this summer? Is Lazio when they got Lucas five million? Yeah, when absolutely. Yesterday we were well, Saturday we were screaming out for a whole midfielder, and that's buttons. That's basically giving them away. As I've had them, as I played them. Yeah, well, now I'm a big Lucas supporter. Um, I realise his time had passed at Liverpool and his usefulness, but 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 again, Dan, when you when you look at how inept that midfield was, you, your case for Lucas actually holds weight, and that's just how like. Honestly, I thought, I, I don't like Henderson as a player. I despise him as a captain. Like, Stevie Gerrard wasn't what I would class as a captain, but he was an inspiration and, and, and he could go in players' faces and get the response. We lack, you know, and we lack that experience. You know, if I say to you about a Vidal, uh, Dan, you know, albeit he's 30, but in those two or three years that we would have him, what he could bring to the club, what he could instill, and I think it's folly that we're not looking at the likes of that and being really serious about it. 
You know what, Dave? There's something about having a player in the dressing room who just knows how to win. I'm not talking about winning games. I'm talking about winning seasons over the course of 38 games and then winning cups and trophies. And Vidal has won so much throughout his career that even if you just put him in for two years, that'd be great. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes we ever did was when when uh, Rodgers came in, how quick we were to let Pepe Reina go. You know, and we're still debating about goalkeepers now. I still play Pepe Reina. Okay, he wasn't a perfect goalkeeper, but he's been in a dressing room with lads who've won the World Cup and the European Championships. You know, that kind of human being in the back room, that is what we need. And you talk about Henderson as a captain. Okay, so you take the armbands off him. There's no one else to give it to. Who else would you have with that armband? No, Emre Khan I would give it to, but again, with his contract situation, that makes that difficult. Khan, I, I genuinely think Khan's got all the potential in the world. That If you say to Emre Khan, I want you to hit that ball 50 yards, he'll put it on a five-pence coin. You know, you want him to score over a kick, tackle, he can do the lot, but it's his decision-making. I think your captain's got to be the one who has that perfect decision-making, your Zanetti, Maldini type. We didn't put a foot wrong for 300 games. I don't think he's at, at that level yet. And that just shows that there's no other player there at the moment in time. Maybe this season someone will emerge. But right now, I, I wouldn't upset the apple cart and take it from Henderson. And they, you know, there's talk, you know, of, of you know, if that if, and it's a big if, and that comes, you know, he's going to be handed the armband and given the responsibility of solving all our defensive woes. The poor kid, like, because he's going to be on a hiding to nothing here, surely. No, I don't think he is, to be honest. Like, I mean, I think that's how it'll be reported and obviously we'll see it like that because we do have such massive defensive woes but, and we have had for so long. Um, I mean, you're going back some number of years before you're saying, you know, we, we've had a really good defence. I mean, you're, you're probably, probably not this decade, to be honest. So I think anything will be better, to be honest. Uh, I think that if we get Van Dyke, he'll replace Lovren in the side. Uh, primarily, he'll play on the left side. And I think he'll solve a lot of our problems simply by, by being the player that he is, even, even, if, he just, even if he just plays to his bog standard norm and, uh, and doesn't improve or his trajectory stays the same or whatever. I think it, it, I think it would make a massive difference. I, you know, I just, we, we absolutely need... If not a Van Dyke, then somebody of equivalent, and we can't, you know, while it, while while the guy for Pal- from Palmeiras might represent a, a sensible investment in the long term, whatever, you need to see, you need to sign somebody who's first team ready, and I'm talking about who imp- massively improves our defence, and it's a big ask. Yari I mean, Mina's already we- won the Copa Libertadores, and uh, he's playing for the current Brazilian champions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, so that that's what I'm basing that upon, you know? Absolutely. I'm not saying you plucked him from nowhere. But what I'm saying is, like, you would think with Van Dyke, we're banking on it if we get him, that he's going straight in. You know? Um, and that's why we're after him, and that's what we need, because that's what's missing. I mean, like we said, the span of our team, it, it, it's missing two positions. And I think what was said about Lucas and, and what was said about Henderson and whatever... Lucas was let go before Coutinho threw in a transfer request, before Barcelona even registered a serious interest, before the Neymar deal. What we needed at the weekend in midfield was somebody who could take the ball and take some time out of the game and take a couple of touches and involve a couple more and so on and so forth. We didn't have that. We had three players in midfield who essentially 
well, two of them liked to play one and two touch in Wijnaldum and Hendo, and and Emery was kind of fighting fires, uh, and it just didn't work. There was no creativity, and there was nobody hanging on to it and making things happen, and just allowing the game to take over. We're we're in trouble if we if if we don't sign. I mean, there's no getting away from it. We are in trouble this season if we if we don't sign um, a, a top quality centre back, and. For me now that the the Coutinho situation is how it is and Lalan is injured for four months, we need another decent creative midfielder probably unless we we can hang on to Coutinho. Um, never mind a Navigator type, which is what we were looking for in the first place. So you know I'm not saying it's a disaster, but if we if we want to really challenge for the top four because United haven't proved, City haven't proved, Chelsea will see what happens with them. Uh, Arsenal, they'll be there, thereabouts. Spurs will be there, thereabouts, and they'll probably sign one or two before the window ends. And I just hope against hope, and and I believe we will sign a couple of players, but we have to. There's no getting away from it. Listen, before I go to Ohms here, I just, I, just I, this has been in my head for a few days here, and just something that Dan said, and I want to go back to you on it. If we hadn't got rid of Lucas. Do you think that the Coutinho situation would have got as serious as what it was? Because I don't think Lucas. I think he would, he would have he would have given Coutinho a very different view on things and maybe been a, a bit more of a calming influence on him. And this is something, especially for the Latin players in our squad. He's going to. He, that's where we're going to miss him most, I think, Dan. Yeah, he was part of that clique, wasn't he, with Firmino and Moreno as well. But he is that that Fred again. That who was there when? So we go into the Merseyside derby now. He learned from Carragher and Gerard when he first came in the significance of that game. Now, now who's there? You know that just becomes no fixed for that kind of players, and we'll see when that see when it comes up. You know how much it means to not just local fans but fans globally that you lose him in Lucas, a, a huge personality, and for five million pounds is nothing. Neil made a good point as well about having an attacking midfielder who'll just be calm on the ball and. Coutinho does that brilliantly. My only worry would be that we keep Coutinho, Lallana comes back from injury and then you've got this good player who's not getting a game. It's a good issue to have, of course, but Carragher made the best point of the weekend where, okay, he had a bit of a spat with Redknapp, but what he was saying was, okay, you get Van Dijk in, but you're not going to change the style of play. That is still going to be two centre-backs effectively who are the fullbacks push so high up, the defending the the whiff and death of the entire pitch, that Van Dijk will not be able to do that on his own. But he's not Franco Berizzi. Um so what he was highlighting there is that we still need that protection in front. So look who's won the league last two years. It was Chester, Leicester and Chelsea. And it was be because and I'll, I'll attribute it, it was to say both times. That's not a coincidence. You know, he is the best hold midfielder in the league. And you know, the, the, the attacking players have that freedom to go and express themselves because they know there's that basis behind them. We worry now. So we've got we got a front three there who all show they can score goals. But we will still ship goals. And until we, we get in someone who will protect the back for we'll continue to ship goals. So I, I'm not worried about selling Coutinho. We don't need the money. Apparently that money is there to go and get Kante, uh, to get Cater because... We were, we were linked with both of them. It, this wasn't a case of either we get Cater or we get Van Dijk. The money was there for both of them. So we don't need to sell Coutinho. We don't need that money. We do need to go and protect our defence. 
No, I hear you. I can't disagree with any of it. And listen, j- j- I'll come to almost just to close this off before we move on to Hoffenheim. You know, wh- where do you stand on 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 the midfield ums? And you know, d- would you agree with Dan there that it, it may be the more important thing? You know, because we saw Dejan Lovren with, with uh, the two holding midfielders in front of him in Southampton that made him flattered him. Maybe it was is the best way of saying it. So you know, maybe maybe we're looking at the wrong position as the key position. Maybe the the, the holding midfielder should be our priority. We've been saying this for years and years and years. How many? This has been a standard conversation we have every season at Liverpool, even with uh, under Rodgers as well. Why don't we sign a defensive midfielder? Or why don't we sign a defensive midfielder? It got um, boring at one point, as in it was just a kind of a joke at, at one point because. That's exactly what we've needed because the defence has been leaking goals for years now, not just um, after probably you could say Rafa. So, and and that's been the issue there. You you need somebody there who, who, like you said, because of the kind of football we play, the expansive kind of football we play, our centre-backs are exposed time and time again. And I've said it myself for, for a number of years now, it's not really the player, it's the system. I reckon you could get these players to play quite well if you just uh, got some players in front of them that they could trust if, you know, things did, uh, so that they're not in that exposed one-on-one situation. I think a lot of top centre-backs would struggle. Van Dijk would probably struggle, as as Dan just said. So it's not just an easy personnel switch, although obviously the personnel do need to be better. We, we, we all agree on that. But I think that the system needs to be tweaked as well. So it's you, you've got to work on both things. You can't have one and then just expect it to, fit, to be fixed. But yeah, defensive midfield has always been a, a, a sore point with us. And uh, it's just, it goes without saying that we need it. It's just a no-brainer. We definitely need someone, one or two even there. And I think that will just make all the difference. Yeah, I would agree with with a lot of that, Like, but... I mean, the number of goals that we concede from from set pieces, um, a defensive midfielder doesn't doesn't sort that out particularly, and the number of goals we we concede from just collective shitness, like mistake after mistake after mistake. There were a couple of the weekend, you know, defensive midfielder doesn't really sort that out as well. So I mean, while I appreciate Carter's point, it's not that we get hit on the break a lot. You know, we don't really get hit on the break a lot. So it's not really, I mean, we do, but we don't concede a lot of goals necessarily from it. Most of our goals come from set pieces, as we know, and from calamitous mistakes or, or a series of mistakes. So we get I, ourselves in those situations, don't we, where maybe yeah, a defensive I, I, midfielder wouldn't get them may, into that maybe, position in the first place. Maybe, but I think mm. I think it, a lot of it is down to down to personnel in there, in, in the back four, and or lack of organisation. So I, I agree that we definitely do need, that's why we're after Al-Qaeda. That's why we, we tried to bid 80 million or 75 million for him, because he, he can't they, as you mentioned there, Dan. Um, but I think we definitely we definitely need a change of personnel in, in that back line. Yeah, I think it's both. I definitely, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Definitely, uh, The ones that we have aren't up to that standard that we want them to be. They're not as bad as we think they are as, as either. I think the system kind of exposes them even more. But yeah, a more competent, a better centre-back would probably do a little bit better. But, you know, don't be surprised if they come in and they're not, not so great either. Yeah, it's it's not so much what's the priority because we need both. And that's oh, why we're yeah, linked yeah. with them. But again, you, what you're saying there about conceding bonds as well, that comes from last-ditch defending. That comes from them getting down behind the full-backs and the, the centre-backs having to intervene and put it out. 
Whereas if you had that whole midfield there beforehand, winning first and second balls potentially, you're conceding less corners as a result and yeah. you're less vulnerable because of this. I was at the first goal that uh, that we conceded on the weekend. It came from that kind of from was exposed as one on one. I can't remember the player who was attacking, but kind of twisted and turned him, and then it went out for a corner. He did get his foot in in the end, but you know that kind of situation might not even arise in the first place. Yeah, but isn't that because Henderson basically? I mean, we can go into it like, but Henderson sort of chases a bad pass that he's never going to get, and the ball gets played into the position he sort of vacates, like, and then Lovren's you know, one-on-one and he is exposed uh, and he does well in that situation, but then the corner's a, a nightmare. So that that's why you're hoping your your big Van Dyke is uh, clearing out the, um, clear, clearing the ball, like. So, I mean... Who, someone in Henderson's position would then obviously not... Uh, if he if had another player in his his um, position, would would have maybe done a bit better there as well, so... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, like, like we say, we need both and we need them desperately. We need a few things, yeah. Well, listen, let's move forward to tomorrow. And uh, I'll start with you, Neil, given you're, you're in Germany. You know, I, 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 did, I, I did a podcast with... You're probably, I mean, you're not, but I mean, Ums is probably as close. as miles away. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm certainly not that close. That's what we yeah, can't argue. No. Uh, you know, you, you probably see probably a bit more of them, uh, have a better idea of what they're about. I did a pod uh, yesterday, or day before yesterday, with uh, Lutz Pfeffensteel, who's their uh, director of scouting there, a very, very nice chap. And you know, whilst he played it down, um, and, you know, that's the biggest game of their their or their, their, their history, I, I sense that they're they're quite confident and uh, we could be in for a, a rough baptism of fire in a very big German atmosphere. Well, yeah, I mean, their, their home form is is the big thing, isn't it? Um, they were unbeaten at home last year in the league. It's a small stadium, like, it's only about 36,000 or something, but it's always packed. And they they generate a great atmosphere, and and that's that's their um, that's their forte. Although apparently, uh, and as they showed last year, they're they're capable of scoring uh, away from home as well. Um, it's it is definitely the biggest game in their history. I mean, and they had an amazing season last season, but that was um, that was something of a of a first. Um, they're not that old. You know, you wonder. I mean, it could go either way. Could, you know, they could could absolutely. You know, rise to the occasion and um, put on a you know, give us a real game and beat us. There's no doubt. On the other hand, it, it could prove if you get an early goal, you know, it could prove they could crumble a little bit, perhaps, given that that it is such a huge occasion. You never know how it's going to go. It's their debut in the Champions League. They finished fourth last season, but they the season before before Nagelsmann took over, they finished sixteenth. Um, and they were they looked like they were going to get relegated. I mean, there are only 18, 18 teams in and two go down. They finished 16th. They won a playoff, I believe, and stayed up. And then they came fourth in the Bundesliga. Tactician likes to, yeah, I mean, they sort of likes to play a pressing game. They're going to be compact and whatever, but they're not, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk. Oh, they, they love to play football and that'll be nice because they'll be open, but they won't, they won't be open. Um, they're very good from set pieces, as has been tweeted in the last few days. As we've started, fills us with joy, doesn't it? it? Just fills us with uh, so much uh, hope. Yeah, scored 16 goals from set pieces last season. So um, <laughs> that um, that that uh, yeah, you know, that fills you with trepidation, shall we say? Um, 
So let's just see. Uh, so they're going to be patient. They're going to wait for, as far as I, the way I see it, is I think they'll be patient. I think they'll let us have the ball in our own half. And I think they'll, they'll wait for a chance to either break on us or get us with a set piece. And I can't see it being a particularly open game. Um, I just hope that, I mean, we should, we, we're better than them. Man for man, player for player, no doubt. No doubt. But, um, you know, it's not going to be easy. Um, having said that, as I said, the start could go either way. It just depends how things pan out. And Dan, did, did you manage to get the Hoffenheim on your on your massive trip around uh, Europe? I mean, what, how, how much do you know about them, and what's your feeling on it? I, I didn't get to go. He got the job as soon as I was on my travels, and I was getting in touch with them. But as you can imagine, so was everybody else at that time, because everyone wants a little piece uh, of this new product manager. In this case, yeah. Unfortunately for me, it was, and that is where my knowledge of them is quite limited. In that I just know they've got this young prodigy of a manager who Bayern Munich has everything to try and get to head up their, their academy. Um, so I'm hoping, and I hope Neil is wrong, but I think I'm worried he'll be right. I hope that Nagelsmann goes into this hubristically. You know, he's this young guy, he's playing against the five times champions of Europe, that he comes at us and he puts on a show for the fans because that'll play into our hands Worst case scenario is if he is wise beyond his years and he is patient, as Neil says, and then we'll have a job because that'll be more difficult. Um, but uh, listen, uh, as soon as that draw was announced, so many fans were pessimistic and saying, oh, we don't want Hoffenheim. No, Hoffenheim don't want Liverpool. Let's get this right. We were the one team in that pot that no one wanted. So I'm not scared of Hoffenheim. Perhaps I'm being naive, but I still believe that we were the team that everyone wanted to avoid. And Nagelsmann will be going against a coach who is admired forever because it's Jürgen Klopp and he's the famous German coach. So it's not master versus apprentice, but it's someone who he's going to have a lot of respect for. Um, so it'll be a good occasion for the neutral. I'm just hoping that they come at us and then there's openings in behind. Well, to be honest with you, after talking to Lutz, you know, I, I would sell for a draw there. Score draw, I may add. Um, because the Anfield experience seems to be the one thing that they they feel might they might come unstuck with, uh, which obviously you you know yourself it, it's it's a it's a big night under those lights. Ums yourself, uh, what's your feelings on this one? I think Dan tipped on it there. You know, it's it's, it's the young prodigy coming up against the you know the big name German coach. He'll have a point to prove, surely. Yeah, Neil hasn't filled me with hope, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I just think that Liverpool have this tendency to turn up in big games, don't they? And this is a big game, so against a kind of, what was a big team, but one of the bigger teams anyway. So I'm hoping that we can we can pull it together. And as you just mentioned, the European nights at Anfield or something else. So, um, I mean, I hope this counts as European night, doesn't it? So <laughs> I'm hoping that we can, um, yeah, just bring our A game because, you know, the weekend doesn't, doesn't of course sort of inspire you to think that we can do anything to to kind of put this in our favour. But then again, like I said, we do have the tendency to turn up as well. So uh, I'm not sure to be honest. I really don't know. I'm just so it's a hope more than anything else. And of opinion down to a score because I'm going to go around the table here for your predictions. As I say, I, I'm quite happy taking the try. I don't think we'll beat. I don't think we will be beaten. We're, we're for all our calamity, we're hard to beat. But what's your thoughts, Holmes? I'm gonna go two two. And Dan, yourself, what are you thinking? Uh, easy, one nil Liverpool. <laughs> Listen, this is, this is where we belong. Liverpool belongs in Europe, a European city. 
you know, we're not English, we are European. And this is where we belong. This is our competition. You know, maybe that what performance is because we had an eye on this, because this is the biggest game of the season for us, potentially, because we don't want to get in that Europa League. So I'll go for 1-0. I think we'll have planned for this. Yeah, I, I think the big performance is at Anfield, though. Uh, I, but I do agree totally with with your thoughts on it there. You know, that this is much bigger than, than, than Watford. This defines the season, really. Neil, yourself, anything more? And what's the score? Yeah, no, uh, I'm confident as well. I think we are better than them. And I agree with, with Dan. We were the um, the team that nobody wanted. So I'm going to go 2-1 over There you go. I'm just going to go for one each because I think it's, I think it's good enough and... I was just not willing to put my neck in the block. But listen, before we go, I'll take a run around the table. Ums, uh, plug away with your article of where we can find you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've started my match reports again. I didn't get abducted by aliens over the summer. so <laughs> And a very good one as well you did at the, at the weekend there. I thought, I thought you, you you tempered it quite beautifully. Oh, thank you. I'm going to hopefully start doing them for these Champions League nights that you know will continue long into the season, hopefully. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that adding that on as well. But yeah, you can find more cop left. Um, so yeah, give them a read. No problem. And Neil, yourself, I'm not going to ask you. We're going to find you on Twitter. I'm not even mentioning writing them to you. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at, at Neil1980 on Twitter if you want. Uh, and that's it. That's about all I'm doing. Just just copcast at the moment. So you can catch me here or there, and that's it. And I've left it probably the longest one to the last one. Dan, the book, how's it going? Tell us all where we can find it, all the rest of it. Uh, Waterstones, if you're a traditionalist or online on Amazon, uh, the European game is the book. But I'm, I'm a new Twitter handle now. It's at Daffield. So it's not the European game book anymore. Um, and I'll mostly be tweeting about tonight's Game of Thrones episodes. Well, as I say, folks, if you haven't checked out that book, the European game, Please do. It gets wonderful reviews. I, I haven't read it myself, arms up, but anyone who I know who has says absolutely brilliant, uh, brilliant read. I say, Dan, you did some, you, you did quite an extensive travel and, and uh, research on this uh, this book, I think. Yeah, I went to 20 clubs. I went all around Europe. I was waiting for nearly four months, just discovering their methods and such. Um, hopefully we'll store a team in the group stages who I can shed a bit of light on. Well, here, don't, I'm not be letting my wife listen to this. If she hears I'll be away for four months writing a book, she'll be, she'll be asking me to write too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but listen, just thank you so much to the guys. And Dan, our first guest of the season, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And, and I hope very much you'll come back again throughout the season. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for having me, guys. I've enjoyed it. No problem. Well, we'll keep in touch and we'll, we'll get you back on again. Listen, from WFI's point of view, uh, this is my third podcast I'm recording today, but it'll be the first one released. Um, all the EPL stuff will be back again. Another EPL coming tomorrow. Uh, there's an In My Life coming out, which is actually mine. Scary stuff. Um, and as I say, all your usual pods will be out through the week. This is the first week of the season starting proper, so you'll have a mountain of content by the end of it. So as I say, just one last thanks to the guys, one last thanks to Dan, and you, the listener, thanks again, and good luck tomorrow night. Until then, goodbye.